Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who wishes he had a river he could skate away on. But who are we fooling? He can't ice skate. So here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Uh, hola, Ben. I mean. So for this episode, we have a special guest. Last record of hers was called Weightless. Included the title song and the hauntingly beautiful Rescue My Heart. You might have heard a recent cover of I Can't Help Myself. And also a recent video for Let's Give Them Something to Talk About. So please welcome to the podcast, Liz Longley. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of our podcast episodes, we ask the all-important question, what t-shirt are you wearing? Let's start with Liz. Liz, what t-shirt are you wearing? I know I should have changed my t-shirt before we started taping, but I just walked my dog. So I'm just wearing a basic black workout t-shirt. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's that's all good. Uh, what, what t-shirt would you have possibly worn had you... Uh, not had mm. to walk the dog. Probably my Brandy Carlisle baseball t-shirt. There you that's go. a fave. That that's a good one. That's a good one. How about you, Wayne? What uh, what t-shirt are you wearing tonight? I am. Uh, we got female singer songwriters on here, so I have my Susie and the Banshees t-shirt on. There you go. All right. So uh, tonight I'm wearing a repeat. So I'm wearing uh, my Matt Nathanson. Nice. So I I should be wearing a brand new t-shirt, Wayne. Because uh, last night I went and saw Jenny Lewis, which uh, I've seen quite a few shows in 2019. And I got to tell you that that's probably my favorite show of the year so far. That was uh, pretty stellar. But I just couldn't I couldn't pull the trigger on a new T-shirt. Her designs were just not I wasn't feeling them. Bummer. We'll have to get her on the podcast and you can mention that her uh, whoever's designing her merch is letting her down. <laughs> Seriously. And, you know, the the last tour that I saw her on, I didn't buy a T-shirt for that tour either because I just I wasn't feeling it. Maybe it's she doesn't design those shirts with 50 year old men in mind. <laughs> How rude. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. She's I think. that's that's a much neglected demographic. Well, I can tell you that there were there were a number of us older gentlemen in the audience. So it wasn't just like she's catering to the college indie crowd. There, you know, it's pretty it was pretty diverse. I was I was happy to see the diversity. All right. Enough about Jenny, because I could I could talk about Jenny for like a whole episode. So um so Liz, uh, I gotta tell you, I, I started to make a graphic of our various referral chains and we've got a couple of cool referral lines going right now oh yeah your referral line came from started with jesse humphrey oh uh, from jesse. carbon leaf yeah so he he introduced us to stephen kellogg and then it's kind of gone from there but i'm not sure who to give credit for referring you over to us do i give credit to brian dunn or do I give credit to Stephen Kellogg? Because I think both of them reached out to you at some point, right? Oh, I well, I'm good friends with both of them, so I'm not sure who was first, but but that's sweet that they both did. All right. Well, we're gonna and give, Jesse. Okay, we'll we'll give credit to all of them. So do you do you know Jesse as well? I do. I'm actually gonna do his podcast soon too. He just started one. 
He did. We had him. Uh, we had him on to do an Elvis Costello record because he couldn't. He couldn't pick one. <laughs> nice. I, I think. I think I gave him a little anxiety because I. Th- I was kind of like pushing him to pick a three eleven record because I. I know that he's like used to be obsessed with three eleven, but couldn't narrow it down. No. But either way, I'm excited to have you join us. I've been a fan of your music since I heard Out of My Head a few years ago. Oh, so I got thanks. a couple questions for you from, from that from that song. Sure. Who's this Don Martin character that you speak of in the song? Oh, it's John Martin. It's John MIT. Martin. See, okay, so yes. yeah, I was Googling Don Martin and not coming up with anything except like some German singer. I'm like, there's no way she'd be talking no. about a German singer. I don't know if if somehow there are inter- there are words and lyrics on the internet that are incorrect, but I'm saying John Martin. <laughs> yeah, M A T R Y N. And actually, that's another uh, record I would have gladly done is Solid Air. Okay, uh, he's one of my favorite singer songwriters. He's passed, but um, I just think he's He's so underrated. I wish that he was more well-known, but he uh, didn't get to the U.S. as much as he probably should have. So anyway, I was a big fan. Still well, am. Now we're going to have to go look for John Martin. Um, oh, you are going to be blown away. Okay. Larkett, I, I keep saying this, that, that our guests are way more um, educated than, than Wayne and myself are. So uh, a few weeks ago, we had um, Anna Tivill who recommended a Joe Henry record, which I kind of knew Joe Henry, but not really. And so now I think, Wayne, fair to say that we're both Joe Henry fans now? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I don't know Joe Henry either, so I'll have to do some research. There you go. There you go. Um, All right. Second question from out of my head. So what songs were on the mixtape? Oh, well, probably mostly John Martin. Um, but then also at that time I was listening to the Weepies. Oh, yeah. And uh, probably their record, Say I Am You. And uh, I, I was living in Boston at the time. And there, were, there was a great right. kind of like folky singer-songwriter scene there, and that's how I discovered the Weepies. And so I probably would have had some some locals on it too. Who else was part of that scene up in Boston? Uh, I think it was like... Uh, what's the shame is I don't remember a lot of the names, but I remember the songs in my head, but yeah. Um, yeah, I can't recall off the top of my head. All right. Weepies are good. It's good times though. Yeah. Weepies are my favorite. And Joni has always been a staple in my life. So I'm sure that she would have been on the mixtape too. Right. Um, all right. So your last record wait list that came out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 2016. Yeah, I fell in love with that record. It's a nice blend of upbeat songs and also some sad songs. And you got a few <laughs> you got a few song placements off of that record, didn't you? Well, weirdly enough, um the song that got placed was Rescue My Heart and it actually got placed um before I ever made that record. So, technically no, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I made that. I made the first version of that song um, with a guy named Ian Kiki here in Nashville. He recorded it. He made the track in his basement studio, and that was on a lot a lot of shows, uh, ABC shows, and and then I decided to record like a stripped down version for the record since it had such a life already. That's how I made the record. 
So what what were the what were the series that uh, you got placement on? It was um, well, it's MTV's Screen, ABC's. Um, oh my gosh, you're really testing me right now. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> but it was a show that I had never seen. But every time I mentioned it to people, they were like, "Oh my god, I love that show!" But of course, I can't remember because like I've never seen it. Switched at birth? Is that what? Yes, it was? thank you. Was that what? That is was it? what okay. It was. That's what it was. Yeah, I was about to Google my own song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to tell you, the the one song I absolutely love is Never Really Mine. Oh, thank you. I got to ask, so who broke your heart for you to make that song? Uh, okay, so the crazy story about that song is that I also wrote that with the same writer that I uh, wrote Rescue My Heart with. And that song started off as the most up-tempo song that we had ever co-written and I hated the lyrics. I didn't relate to it at all. But, um, when I was making the record, everyone was like, you need to put this song on it. It's so catchy. And, uh, I played it for the producer and he's like, I just can't imagine you singing those lyrics. It doesn't sound like you, but if we slowed it down to a molasses pace and you took it home and rewrote all the lyrics, I think it'd be perfect for the record. So that's exactly what I did. And, I don't know exactly what I was tapping into, but it happened really quickly. I sat down and that image was in my mind. I mean, I've been through so many breakups. I can't say that it was a specific one. Um, Most of my songs are extremely specific, like out of my head. Like that is exactly what I was going through at the time. But never really mine was kind of drawing on the heartache that I've experienced and putting it into a, a movie in my mind. Gotcha. It's cool. I don't know what I did. You flipped the switch, now it's like you're a different person What did I miss? Cause I don't know if I miss you Or if I just wish you goodbye Did I imagine everything Everything you said to me I made believe You and I were meant to be So that record came out, you said 2016. So we got a new record coming up. You guessed it. I just All finished right. making uh, my next record. Uh, I finished it in January, and I know it's September, and people are like, "When? When is it coming out?" Um, but I'm on a record label, and there was just over and over again no plan for it to come out. So I've just decided to go independent. And I'm about to begin the process of buying my latest record back so that I can put it out into the world because it's 
my absolute favorite. I made it with um, Paul Moak. He's a great producer here in town. And uh, it's, it's uh, that we really captured something that I'm, I'm proud of. So I'm anxious to get it back so I can release it. Wow. Uh, we just talked, we just talked, uh, about Delta Ray and their, them yeah. going, going independent, um, yeah. on our, our last episode that, that just came out. So smelling trend. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, they are some of my dear friends and I've been lucky to tour with them over the years. And, uh, I think I met up with Eric in May and we were both just kind of griping about our our situations in our careers and where we were stuck and what was going on. And it was so cool to see that they ended up doing that. And that was exactly what they needed to do. And I'm so glad to see that their fans embraced it. And I mean, gosh, they, <laughs> they killed it. I know the, absolutely. I gave them some of my money yeah. as well. So I did too. Gladly. Anytime. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But you've stayed, you've stayed pretty active uh, with the touring, despite not having you know new music coming out, and I saw on Instagram a few months ago that you got engaged as well. So congratulations! Yeah. Thank so you. Yeah. So you've definitely kept yourself busy. Yes, I never stop. I mean, I started doing music when I was a teenager, and I I became obsessed with filling my calendar every weekend. I wanted to be playing. And uh, I did the same thing when I was in college. I would play every weekend. Then through the summers, I would just tour 50, 50 dates a summer and then go back to school. And so as soon as I graduated, I've just been doing it full time. And I think I think 2018 was the first time that I, I took like several weeks off in a row and didn't tour. And it was really hard for me to turn that part of myself off because I so enjoy playing and meeting people and traveling it's such a great, like, that's the best part of my job. So to be forced to kind of like stay home and try to write was a really interesting change of pace. I'm assuming more touring for the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. be going to uh, the West Coast. I'm so excited. Washington, California, Oregon, all that good stuff. And a little bit of Texas touring with Scott Mulvihill, who I absolutely love. He's a great musician. Um, so the fall will be busy. Of course, you're going to to the West Coast because it feels like, and Wayne, you can vouch for for this. It feels like every one of our guests comes to the West Coast and not to see me here in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Florida's safe for January. Oh my gosh! All right, well, <laughs> come on, come on down. Uh, I do have to ask you about your cover of "I Can't Help Myself." That's the uh, the sugar pie, sugar pie honey bunch song for a lot of people. I think most people equate that, uh, you know, the Four Tops version from the Motown era as kind of a happy song. But uh, your take's a little different on on that song. Yeah i i was um, i was I was kind of falling in love with taking cover songs and, and making them up my own. And that one really stuck with me because I thought the lyrics were um, really easy to pass by and not realize really what the story was behind that song. So it was uh, my goal to highlight them. And so we, we stripped it down, slowed it down. And that's to go back to getting engaged. That's how I actually I, I reconnected with my fiance because he was filming the process of recording that song and uh, when he when he when we met up to kind of work on the video, just watching the way his brain worked, I was like, okay, uh, now this is going to be the turning point in my life. And so 
that's that song is so much more than just that song now to me it's like the way that we met and but yeah it is this weird angsty breakup song set to this up-tempo beat that everybody dances to at a wedding and never realizes really what it's saying i was gonna say is that yeah that is that now your wedding song hell no (laughs) 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 we still haven't decided Oh, I just loved your version. It's so hauntingly beautiful. And I, I exact I was thinking the exact same thing as I've heard that song hundreds of times and never realized the the tr- the tragic nature of the lyrics. It's always the four tops. They make everybody so happy. And <laughs> you miss that. And it's funny as I it just made it I've I've said this before on the podcast. A great song is a great song is a great song. And you your your interpretation of it is amazing, but I think you could make a someone could make a polka version of this song and it would still be, you would, you would be able to recognize this great song through any arrangement. Absolutely. I mean, the opening line I think is just, it's one of those that you never forget. It catches your attention right away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You've also kept pretty busy on the old YouTube. Your uh, recent videos cover that you did with uh, Scott that you just uh, mentioned here a moment ago. Something to talk about. I think you've you've done a few videos with him, correct? That was our second video together. Yeah, okay. I mean he's he's so he's so easy to collaborate with because he can play anything and he can sing anything. So we got together that day and we still hadn't really decided what song we were going to do. And that one was, I mean. I grew up listening to that song. I love that song, but I had no idea how hard that song is. Oh my God. I, (laughs) I'm going to have to relearn it for our tour, but that one's probably the hardest song that I've had to learn in, in an hour. Right. Luckily you've probably heard it, you know, hundreds of times, right? Totally. So you, you probably already knew all the the lyrics. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that a John Hyatt song? Yeah, absolutely. I know it. I know. I know it from the Bonnie Raitt version, but that that's John Hyatt, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Bring the Family. That was the record we were talking about. That I was talking about with Lily. That's right. We just had Lily Hyatt on the on the show. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, she was. She's great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, <laughs> I think uh, you know. I think Wayne's got a little bit of a crush. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so even though you're doing like the, the duets with Scott, that's, you know, that's not the best duet that you have out on your YouTube channel though, right? What's your favorite duet? Your do, do for do duet with that young fan. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She knew every single lyric 
That was impressive. That was so cute. So cute. I did not expect that. I mean, I just heard this. It was like a Wednesday night I was playing in D.C. And I think at this point it was like 930 at night. And I asked if there were any requests. And I heard this little voice in the back. I couldn't believe it. So I I was like, well, if you're up this late, you might as well get up on stage. So (laughs) she jumped up. She was adorable. She knew every lyric, including the bad word. She said the bad word. Yes, she did. She did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I kind of let her know when you get up there, I was like, you know, if there's anything you don't know, I'm going to fill in the blanks. You just supplement it, you know? And then she just took over. She was, she was the star of the show. It was so good. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be posting a video of that uh, on the Facebook page oh. for, for everybody to, <laughs> to see as well. I will say, I will say one last thing before we jump into uh, the record that you chose. So, and I hope that, what I'm about to say doesn't come across as like a knock against you. Cause I'm, I'm meaning this as a compliment, but when I went back and looked at, at your video, so I went, you know, I spent a little time on your YouTube channel. I've seen enormous growth in your videos over the last couple of years. I, and I, and I saw some of your earlier performances. You seem so much more confident and sure of your abilities mm. in, in, the last year, year, year and a half of the videos that you've, that you've posted anything that you can kind of equate or, or am I just reading way too much into what I see in those videos? Oh, that's interesting. Um, no, I, I, I don't sense the difference at all, but you never know what's going to end up on the internet and <laughs> not everything that's on the internet. Am I extremely proud of? I'll put it that way. That's for sure. There are some of the things that have the most views. I'm like, how do I get this off of the internet? <laughs> but it's like too late now. It's a disease. It's just on there growing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, best of luck on the new record. When it comes out, we Thank will you. definitely, we will definitely be pimping it out on on the show here. Um, oh, thank it's, you so much. It's it's been a while since we've done an update uh, or one of our little forty five episodes, though, Wayne. Right? That's true. We're uh, we're victims of our own good success right now with having guests <laughs> on every single uh, episode right now. So um, I'm not complaining. It's a good problem to have. Keep it going. Yeah, absolutely. All right, one last question before we jump into your record uh, that you chose. So we've been asking all of our guests, so Toto's Africa, good or bad song? (laughs) It's good if you're drunk. (laughs) I'm going to say that's a yes then. That's not a yes. (laughs) Get out of here. You'll try to take anything. I will, absolutely. (laughs) She she said yes. (laughs) Well, she's not drunk right now, so I guess it's a no. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm totally sober, so I'll pass. All right, all right. We're, are we going to have to put you in the indifferent column? Indifference yes. is a polite way of Please. saying it's not. A, it's it's and I like the word "good" right. song is is. I don't think that's the right way to put it. It's it's just so cheesy and I don't know. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> You're ridiculous. I, uh, that's <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so tell us which record you chose to revisit for this episode. I chose Johnny Mitchell's Blue. All right. And what were some of the other records that maybe you thought about other than Don Martin, you know? <laughs> you know, it's, 
I didn't even think about John Martin. Joni Mitchell is always my go-to. Okay. She's my one and only. But I probably, and now that I kind of was bringing up the Weepies, I'm, that would have been fun, too. I, I love Say I Am Me. It's one of my favorite records of all time. Uh, well, we can always have you back on for another episode down the road. You just let me know. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right, let's get some bio info on the record. So Blue is the fourth studio album released by Joni. Peaked at number 15 on the Billboard 200. Um, it is largely considered by music critics as one of the greatest albums of all time. Wayne, we've talked about the Rolling Stone. Top 500 albums of all time. This was rated the 30th best album ever. So that was the highest entry by a female artist. And mm. I guess I guess we could say that Nico or Stevie Nicks were higher in the charts, but those entries were as part of their groups, not a solo effort like Blue was. So this came off of the hills of her largely successful song Woodstock, which, um, ironically enough, uh, was she at Woodstock? No, she actually said that yeah. she purposefully uh, skipped it because she didn't want to be cl- too closely associated with the anti-war movement. Right. Do we consider this a breakup record? I don't. Yeah, but- I don't know specifically. Because she had some some well-publicized relationships around this time. So Graham Nash, she was in a relationship for a couple years. And from what I gathered, she was also... Right before this came out, she was in a relationship with James Taylor, who mm-hmm. we've talked about on a previous episode, Wayne. Um, and I guess she uh, didn't stick around with, with James because of his little addiction to heroin. It's probably a good move on her part. But he did play on this record. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump in our song-by-song analysis. As a reminder, our scoring is based on the number of songs on the record. So, Wayne, how many songs on this record? Ten. Which means our top song is going to get ten points. Next favorite, one point on down to our lowest score of one. And let's get started. This is All I Want. Who wants to get us started on the analysis of all I want? I got to start with this. So I never, I had never listened to this album. I had heard Big Yellow Taxi, Woodstock. I knew who Joni Mitchell was. I thought, you know, Rolling Stone loves her. She's, you know, overrated. He, you know, he said that you chose this record. And so a month or so ago, I listened to it twice. 
And I told him just recently, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't like this. I don't. And so I go into it. We finish a podcast on Saturday. I put it in. I start listening to it. And right away, I it feels like a flip, a switch has been flipped. And I, I'm like, I like this. And by the end of Monday afternoon, I absolutely love this record. I, I, I take back everything I ever thought about Joni Mitchell being underrated. She is a phenomenal guitar player. She has the voice of an angel. Uh, I don't know how I missed this record for so many years. It's, I don't know if it would be 30 in my top 500 albums, but it would be, it would be in the top 100. I, I just can't believe how much I love this record. I'm actually tearing up just hearing that. (laughs) And I was a little worried because, so just so you know, Liz, Wayne and I are constantly texting each other, you know, comments and ideas for the podcast episodes as we're listening to each of these records. And we are, are the most recent episode that we recorded was for the punk band dead boys with a, lead singer of a punk band. So to go from dead boys to Joni Mitchell was a large leap. And I was really worried that Wayne was just going to be like, I'm still on my punk, you know, kick and, you know, (laughs) to hell with Joni Mitchell. And uh, I just hearing you say that Wayne, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know what it was. I don't know if I just needed to hear it and get a little bit, you know, put my toe in the water or whatever, but I listened to it probably three times through on Monday and I'm singing every song. And I, I mean, it got to where the scoring was so hard because I would listen to a song and I would think, Oh, this is, you know, this is one of my favorites. And then the next song would come on. I'm like, Oh no, no, this is one of my favorites. And I just, even the song that's my lowest score. I, I, I like that song. It just, uh, I was amazed by it. I mean, I was amazed uh, reading about her and she sounds like uh, a wonderful person. She's uh, uh, it was nice after doing like Neil Young and Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen to do somebody who just there's no secret hidden meanings in Joni Mitchell songs. It's just a, a story. Yeah. And she tells it amazingly with these wonderful little details that that absolutely bring it to life. I could not agree more. I, I didn't know how I was going to score these songs because I've I've listened to them so intensely since I was a teenager. And this record is what made me want to be a singer-songwriter. And exactly for that reason, the, the, the pictures she paints, the details that she gives you, like you feel like you're at the party that she's at at Carrie or you feel like you're in California or wanting to be in California or on a plane. Like she just transports you no matter where she is. Yeah, and listening to this album, I, I, I heard so many people that she influenced. I mean, even because one of I listened to a lot of earlier stuff from you because of I have I listen to Amazon Music mostly, and so one of uh, uh, when you've got trouble, you can definitely hear a Joni Mitchell influence in that. But as I'm listening to this record, I'm yeah. thinking this uh, Joni Mitchell is all over Jagged Little Pill. You can you can I could hear Alan, I mean Alanis Morissette hugely. Uh, influence. Uh, another one that really came to mind was Edie, Broque- uh, Edie Brickell. She's she's obviously yeah. hugely influenced by this. You could hear uh, Sarah McLaughlin. You can, from listening to this oh, album yeah. from 1970, I could hear all of these these ladies from the 90s and later. You could they're just her stamp is all over them. Yep, trickled down. Sarah covered two of the songs on this record. 
we'll and we'll talk about those as we get go go through those. I love the lyrics for for this. The the lyrics uh, are catchy. They're fun. They're a little bit playful. Um, I love the applause, applause. Life is our cause. When I think <laughs> of your kisses, my mind seesaws. I mean, it, it they they seem real juvenile, but um, th- they're fun. And listening to it, I, I'm sorry, I'm, so, I'm, I'm the Joni Mitchell expert now all of a sudden, but I uh, I love how she, because some of those lyrics are super silly, and I think I, it, it was a great way of contrasting this relationship that's, you know, because she clearly tells you it's not always, it's not always fun, but yet she's still, she she's able to use these little details, like I want to shampoo you and knit you a sweater. They're, they're, they're so funny, but they're so head over heels in love with somebody that hurts you. And I, I'm, I love you when I forget about me and stuff like that. So I love the, the way she was able to really vividly show the whole, you know, spectrum of this relationship. Yeah. And she has you so clued into all that, that you don't even realize like, what is the chorus of this song? If it's all I want, she doesn't get to it until like a minute and a half in and she doesn't ever repeat it. So it's like, the way that she she's using these internal rhymes or like the repetition where she's like traveling, traveling, traveling. She's like giving you something to hold on because she's like, watch out. I'm on a wave and this is all just coming out of my mouth and I don't know what's going to happen next. I dig it. Yeah. And I think part of the, cause her structure, it isn't so, it isn't so pop, you know, it isn't a classic pop structure. And so I think that possibly could have been one of the things that early on turned me off. But yeah. by the, like I say, by the time I got, all the way immersed in this. I was, I love it. I think it's brilliant. All right. Let's get some scores for all I want. Liz, what you got? Seven. Wayne. I gave it an eight. Cause it feels like that's where the switch flipped. And I, I, so I, mm-hmm. I gave it maybe more than. Okay. Uh, more. I'm giving it a four, not because it's a bad song, just because there's a, a bunch more that I really like more than this song, but I did. I do dig this song. All right. Moving on, my old man. My only notes for this are total hippie songs, so somebody else get get us started on this. <laughs> I love that the piano parts in this feel almost derivative of a classical piece, and the this is this is exactly the kind of song that I would be worried about playing for someone who doesn't know Joni or understand the magic of Joni because there's a lot to digest. The melody is constantly jumping, but it's one of those kind of that you just sit into and realize how beautiful it's a work of art. I was trying to figure out if there was a formula to this. In fact, I, I, against each of the, the songs here, I was like, this is a guitar song. This is a piano song. Does it matter? I don't think, I don't think it matters. Well, I, I definitely noticed in my scoring that I, that I 
gravitated to the guitar songs, but that is not a commentary on her piano playing. It is absolutely a commentary yeah, on her guitar your scores playing. Right now, your your lowest your lowest five scores are all piano songs. I always associate open tunings with, and it's only personal to me because open tunings are great for me because it means I can play an F without any problem. But she uses them to do all these augmented chords that you could never physically do in standard tuning. So it gives it all these different textures that that most people don't get. But like I say, I I saw a list where she was rated, you know, she was the top rated female guitarist on this list. And I don't know if Rolling Stone did it or a guitar player. And I thought, well, they're just putting her on there because she's a woman. They're trying and absolutely couldn't be more. I couldn't be more wrong. She is. She's a brilliant guitar player. And to, to make that even more impressive, she has polo. So that's why she's it's, it's hard for her to have that strength in her hand with with traditional chords and and, and standard tuning. So she's. We like invented a lot of these these shapes and these tunings to find the sounds that she wants to reach. And I will agree with you, Wayne, on the guitar playing. Um, I had the benefit of seeing Joni Mitchell in '98. Uh, she opened for Bob Dylan, and Van Morrison was also on that bill. And I got to tell you that Joni Mitchell was by far the best on that bill. Nice. And her guitar playing is fantastic. Yeah, I noticed right away when James the 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 two that that James Taylor plays on, you can you can tell the difference. I mean, he has a little bit of a style of his own, especially on uh, the second song that he plays on. I, I think it's California, but uh, she has a, a unique sound that I I I just relished. I loved it. All right. Anything on the hippie song? And just so I know that I also wrote that in my notes, it says two hippie, hippie free love. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good little snapshot of where they were at in the seventies, early seventies. So yeah. All right. Let's get some scores on this. Wayne. Uh, two. And I'm matching your two and Liz. Four. All right. Moving on. This is little green. Everything's warmer there So you write him a letter and say Her eyes are blue He sends you a poem And she's lost to you Little green He's a non-conformer Just a little green Like the color when the spring is born There'll be crocuses to bring to school tomorrow. Just a little green, like the nights when the And, you know, Wayne, earlier you said that uh, she kind of put all the lyrics out there. I, I wanted to correct you because I don't know, I don't think a lot of people knew that she had placed a daughter up for adoption. And this song, the song is about that experience. Um, so I don't know if people really had any idea what she was singing about here, unless they were like, you know, in the circle, 
the circle of friends, maybe. Well, you may not, you may know it, you may not know if it's personal to her, but it's, it's, I think you can get what's happening from the song. Okay. I think the lyrics make it fairly clear. It doesn't, I mean, most people wouldn't, I mean, they may have not have known in 1970 that it was, that it was as personal as it was. Yeah. Um, this is the one that when I, on the first few listens, I think was one of the ones that I didn't like because I think her voice starts to creep up higher in points. Uh Um, but once I found out the story, uh, it just, it just rocketed to the top because it's so, it's so honest and it's, um, just the little bit I read about it. It's she's, I mean, just the, uh, the quote that she had about um, she was dirt poor and unhappy mothers don't raise happy children. You can tell from the song that the guy ran off to California. She would have had to do this on her own. Um, and mm-hmm. she she did what she, you know, she felt was right. And she's she didn't you know necessarily like that. But that was the best thing to do for this child. So I just thought that was just brutally honest. Uh and I and that made my score go higher. Yeah, the story is what I love about that song. But as a song, if I like remove the that from it, and not knowing that, it's lower on my list. But but even just looking at the lyrics, when, when it's just born with the moon and cancer, choose her own name, she'll answer to. Like what a beautiful way to open a song. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right. Anything else on Little Green? Nada. Wayne, are you going to make us feel bad about our score? <laughs> no, no, that's your job. I don't, I don't judge people like you, Ben. I, I let the score. I'm already feeling be, bad. They're relative to each other. Yeah, uh, it was all about the. It, it was. I, I gave it a six, but it was absolutely about. You know, in night. I mean, she wrote this. They said in '67, which would have been two years after this happened. Mm. So we're talking about very raw feelings still that she. You know, she sucked it up and put them down on paper with, at this time, nobody knowing except some of her close friends from when she was in Toronto. So in California, nobody may have known that how real and how, how close this was to her. Mm, that's yeah. true. Well, shoot, I gave it a two, but I feel terrible. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a three, and I feel terrible. So, Wayne, what was your score? I gave it a six. All right, thanks for making us feel terrible. <laughs> Um, all right. <laughs> uh, moving on, this is Carrie. Fancy French oh, Carrie, get out your cane. Oh, you're a neat old daddy, but I like you. Come on down to the Mermaid Cafe, and I will buy you a bottle of wine. And we'll laugh and toast to nothing and smash our empty glasses down. Let's have a round for these freaks and these soldiers, a round for these friends of mine. Let's have another round for the bright red devil who keeps me in this. And uh, I did read some some info on this. So this is this is uh, rumored to be about James Taylor, and he plays. I don't think he plays guitar on this one, though, right? I uh, know, but I I don't know why anybody would think that it was about James Taylor. It's not. I, I read that it's about a guy named Carrie. Yeah, a red-haired guy who carried a cane. Yeah that that's one of the that's one <laughs> of the theories. That's one of the theories. I wanted to throw that out because you know we say this almost every week, Wayne. What you read on the internet <laughs> is true. 
I'm just going off of what I read in the lyrics by from Joni Mitchell. Uh, red-haired, cane-carrying chef in Matala. Is that how you say yeah, it? In the, in Crete? Sure, we'll go with that. Uh, yeah, so she literally, I say, this is one where you just have to ask yourself how important was that was that trip to Europe? Two of you know, two of my favorite songs on this album were directly inspired by that European vacation. Uh, so uh, I did read. So Stephen Stills apparently is on this on this track. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I listened to it, and I I really it says bass, uh, and I I couldn't I hear couldn't the hear bass any either. bass that's, in them. That's I also why. couldn't. The only the only percussion I hear on the Russ Kunkel songs is a like a tapping, like almost like a drumstick on a piece of wood. Yeah. It's just not a lot of percussion. This one has a very different feel from the first three record or the, the first three tracks though. I, I like the extra background singers. Are those singers, is that just Mitchell I think, I think it's overdubbed her. or maybe her with stills? I think it is too. Yeah. I, I, I felt like, that yeah, that's she was doing her own harmonies. I think I wrote that down, but I love that it's such a vibrant story with all of the little details. And I I really like the fact that she's throw she throws love around in this album. I wouldn't say freely, but she doesn't have a problem. But she just likes this guy. You're out of sight. right. I you're you're a mean old daddy, but I like you. She, she never it's casual. She, she specifically doesn't say love him. It He's almost feels like Richard, you know. <laughs> Carrie is nicer than Richard, but I love the details in my fingernails. My fingernails are filthy. I always, and the, and the way she says omelet, I know it's like totally, she says omelet. And for years I'm like, what is she saying? (laughs) But she's saying omelet. And I think that's so cute. Is that how they say it in Canada? No, she's just trying to make it rhyme. (laughs) Okay. All right. He cooked good omelets and stews. (laughs) I love how she she references her the fact that she might have that fame might be having an effect on her because now she's she's used to the nice white mm-hmm. linens and the fancy French mm-hmm. cologne. I love it, Wayne. So you're maybe kind of new to getting into Joni Mitchell, but I would say that uh, a great song that I kind of wish was on this record because I feel like it kind of plays into some of those messages is a song called "For Free," and she's she's referencing why she plays music and and kind of commenting on why like why am i playing music and charging people for it shouldn't it be this beautiful thing that's for free i feel like she kind of touches on that message throughout this record but check that one out if you haven't oh yeah i'm going to be listening to a lot of joni mitchell over the next few months cool all right let's get some scores on this so liz uh i gave it a five and then wayne and I gave it a seven just for, like I say, it's such a vibrant story. I mean, I can just see them in the in the Mermaid Cafe finishing their wine glasses and throwing them on the ground and breaking them. There's just all these great images in it. And this doesn't happen often. I'm matching your seven. All right. Let's move on to Blue. Shell for you inside. 
side you'll hear a sigh, a foggy lullaby. And this is uh, this is one of Joni's more recognizable songs. Everybody and their dog, uh, they've covered it. So Wayne, since I have the benefit of seeing everybody's scores, I would have thought that you would have liked this song more because it has references to tattoos. And you know what? I wrote that down. The first verse is almost all about tattoos, uh, ink and pen under the skin, uh, anchors and crowns are very common tattoos. Um, it's, I don't know. I know it was difficult. Like I said, to once you got down to the bottom, because it's, I did, I did enjoy this song. This is by far the darkest song on the record, but I, I just, I, and I think the piano is part of it. It was just about liking other things more and not any, not a direct reflection upon it. That's right. It's one of the piano songs and you didn't like any of the piano songs. But it does have, it does have the greatest line. What is it? Acid, booze, and what is acid, booze, and ass, needles, guns, and grass, lots of laughs. I don't know who she's talking about, but I'm thinking possibly JT. Uh, Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, uh, that's my favorite part of the song too. Uh, that's always stuck in my head. I feel like it just comes out at random times when I'm like doing random things, like acid, booze, and ass. I just, it's just so good. But I, I ranked this song as a nine, and I was kind of looking back over things and re-listening to the record as I, I ranked it before listening to the record. I mean, I obviously listened to it like a trillion times, but after going back, I kind of wonder why did I put it so high? But I think it's because it's the it's the starting point. It's like it, I feel like it almost could have been track one cause it's setting the tone for the stories throughout this record, but it is like a poem. It's less like a story than the other song. So in that way is I, I love her more story like stuff. So I kind of wish I didn't give it a nine, but I did. We always regret our scores after we go through each of them. So yeah, we welcome <laughs> to the club, Liz. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lots of good covers out there. Uh, I alluded to Sarah McLaughlin uh, doing a a nice cover of this song. Um, Any good covers out there that uh, you can point us to with this, uh, Liz? No, actually, when you said there are tons of covers for this, I I actually don't can't think of any. I didn't even know Sarah did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Came from the fumbling time period. I think it's on her B-sides. And rarities uh, album that came out in gotcha. the late '90s, but it's good. It's good stuff. All right, um, let's get some scores then. Uh, we already got Liz. You said nine. Wayne, uh, three. And then uh, I give it an eight. So apparently, I I like the piano, unlike Wayne. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> Not a comment on her piano playing. It's commentary on her guitar playing. <laughs> All right. That leads us uh, to California because we're going to flip the record over. So this is uh, track one on side B. All the California, California coming home. I'm going to see the folks I dig. I'll even kiss a sunset pig. California coming home. Who did the goat dance very well? He gave me back my smile, but he kept my camera in a cell. Oh, the rogue, the red, red rogue, he 
cook good omelettes and stews And I might have stayed on with him there But my heart cried out for you California Oh, California Coming home Oh, make me feel good Rock and roll band I'm your biggest fan California Coming home Who wants to get us started on California? Uh, this this is my favorite song on the record, and I and it's a, it was very difficult to choose between this one and the next one, and it, it just depended on which one I was listening to. Uh, but I love California, and I I tried to ask myself why do I love California so much. Number one, every time I've been there, it's sunny, just like Randy Newman said, the sun is shining all the time, and I'm always on vacation, so I'm not working. So I don't think it's it's. I don't know how, I mean, I'm at Disneyland and, and Huntington Beach, so what's not to love about that? But the way she sings this song and that she's got a longing for it, but at the same time, she's just so excited to get back there. And it's, and it's like I say, it's all these little details uh, about getting back to California. And Car- that, I mean, she references Carrie, and apparently he stole her camera. I was just going to say, she. <laughs> there's a reference to Carrie, the redneck on the Grecian Isle is... is is uh, Carrie making another appearance in one of her songs? There you go. I feel like the way that she approaches this song is super conversational. Like, I feel like she's telling me about her time in California or the music she's listening to or what people were, were looking at at the party. It just feels like a diary entry and a conversational in one. So... Somebody help me with a few of the, the lyrics on this because I was really nervous to Google this because, you know, last, last time I Googled something of, of lyrics, uh, Wayne, it pointed me to Urban Dictionary. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it took us months to get recovered from that. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> uh, so Sunset Pig, what is that? LAPD. Is that what it is? Okay. No way. Yeah. I never got that. I never got that. Obviously, Sunset, that's where the Troubadour and the Whiskey were, all those Laurel Canyon bands playing down there. Yeah. Obviously, not huge fans of the of the Police, which not the not the power trio from England. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was fairly – that's one of the reasons I, I think – if it wasn't already number one, I kicked it up just for that. Gotcha. How about the goat – And I have to – Sorry, I just realized the omelette thing is in this song, not the Carrie song. So I'm very sorry to Carrie. Omelettes and stews are in California. <laughs> well, you know, we're taught we're she's singing about Carrie again, so you know. It's, and yeah, it's, so I was confused. Like, where's Carrie? Where's the omelette? <laughs> <laughs> so what's the goat dance? <laughs> I the way she's I don't the it, in context of the song, it definitely feels sexual. <laughs> so, like, that's so, all. I can... <laughs> so, should I go to Urban Dictionary for goat dance? I, you know what, buyer <laughs> <I> beware. <laughs> yeah, Urban Dictionary did not exist when she wrote this song. I feel like you should just put it in YouTube and and watch goats dance or sing along to Taylor Swift songs. Maybe, maybe. All right, uh, we did talk about James Taylor previously. He's on guitar for this one, and uh, easily recognizable. Yeah, yeah, He's, very, very recognizable for 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 that. Um, and I'm with you. I didn't. Uh, my question was, I I I just put a question mark next to Russ Kunkel because it said percussion. I'm like, really? Okay, 
Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> um, anything else on California we want to talk about? Hmm. No, I, I think I, I'm good. I, I don't know what to say. All right. So let's get some scores. So Wayne. I gave it a 10. It was my favorite song. It was close between this and the next one, but I gave it a 10. I gave it a nine. No, I didn't. I gave it an eight. You gave it an eight. You gave blue a nine. Yeah. There we go. Whoops. Uh, and I, I gave this a 10 and it was mostly cause I felt pressured to put a 10 because I, I threw this out to a few of my, um, music buds out on, uh, one of the Facebook pages that I belong to. And I'm like, so help me figure out which one I want to rank as my number one. Cause I, there were a few in the vying and all of them said California, uh, unanimously. So I felt pressured to, to give it a 10, but I'm cool. I'm cool with that. I like this song. Own it. All right. Let's move on. So the next song, uh, this is uh, Nazareth with This Flight Tonight. Oh, wait. No, that's Joni Mitchell with This Flight Tonight. There we go. I saw a falling star burn up above the Las Vegas sand. It wasn't the one that you gave to me that night down south between the trailers. Not the early one that you can wish upon. Not the northern one that guided in the sailors. Oh, star bright, star bright, you've got the loving that I like. All right, turn this crazy bird around. I shouldn't have gone this I just thought that the, this was the funniest. I, I started Googling and Nazareth absolutely rework this song i've never heard that yeah did you listen to the nazareth version wayne i did it's almost unrecognizable really yes. uh, re- unrecognizable and <laughs> i i i would never have equated an irish or are they irish or scottish scottish, scottish a scottish hard rock band with liking a Joni mitchell <sighs> tune enough that they would want to turn it into a song and it was a hit in the uk so much so that I one of the things that I I found was Joni said when she was playing in London um, back around that time that it, it uh, hit in the UK. Um, she told the audience, I'd like to open with a Nazareth song. Yeah, I thought that was just an, another. Uh, she just that's so cool. That was just very I just gave a different, like say, I learned lots of things about her having done this. And it's just little things like that, things that she said or things that she did that kind of form your personality. She just sounds like a a, a wonderful person, a really uh, genuine, cool person. Well, it's funny because sometimes she has made comments that make it sound like she's offended by people covering her songs and saying that people don't really know how to pay tribute to an artist, kind of hinting that like, that's not what she would want. So, but now we're, really? I mean, that was a long time ago, but now there's, I mean, uh, um, Brandy Carlisle did that um, Joni Mitchell birthday show and now is doing a whole Joni Mitchell tribute show and, and Joni knows about it and she's been really positive about it. So that's been really good to see because um, I've always, that always stuck with me as, oh, I don't understand why she doesn't like people covering her songs. So it's interesting to hear that about Nazareth. I've never heard that. Yeah. Now you have homework. Yeah. We have homework to go uh, listen to for free. So <laughs> now you have to go listen to the Nazareth version. Um, 
do we give her any kudos for the sound effects that she tried to do in this kind of making it feel as though like the captain's calling in from the cockpit at one point in this song. Yeah. I like it. I give, I give kudos for that. I love the rhythm of this song, but um, lyrically it's like the least relatable to me. It it feels like it could have been written by somebody else and you wouldn't know the difference. Whereas some of her other songs are just so deeply personal. Um, But I think this is a fun switch up song. I think it's perfectly placed on the record. It's after California. It keeps the tempo going. But it's not going to, you know, rock your world and make you think deep things like most Joni songs do. Yeah. Uh, two things on this song, because I did love this song. And I, I agree with that to a point. Number one, she does this cool thing with the like there's two guitars that are playing and one of them is super bassy. And she does this like muted slide thing that has this real like a sound I've never heard. Um, and I just love that. But lyrically, she did this thing where she she almost like where her voice creeps up into that higher register, but it gives it this this panic of like you would feel if you want to get off a plane because you can't get off a plane. <laughs> There's, and I just love the way she did. She kind of put me into that situation. Uh, you know, how many twenty thousand feet in the air, and you want to get off. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have left. And here, then she just goes through all these little things that also happen on a plane. And the whole time she just kind of got this, this frantic, uh, about her, about her voice that conveys that feeling. Um, but like, yeah, when, you know, the captains, I mean, they're on approach. So, I mean, this whole thing happens within a matter of, of minutes. Right. And I just, I like. It's like she's using the production and, 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 and sonically conveying the feeling more than more than lyrically almost but yeah all right should we get some scores wayne what you got i gave it a nine that the the guitar work in this i thought was just uh so unique like i hadn't that's there's i it's hard to describe that sound but it's like the strings are super loose and there's this big muted slide into into it and it it just i never had heard it before it just captivated me i gave it a regrettable three all right. And then um, I gave it a five. All right. Moving on. This is River. Somebody get me started on river here. 
I love this song. Actually, this is you covered this it. Is one of the, I did. I covered it. I, um, I think I play it usually during Christmas time, but it's. I think um, I think this is one of her most deeply personal songs, and I equate this one to her struggle with the adoption, even though she doesn't touch on it as as much. I just hear so much pain in this and think it's so brave how vulnerable she is. Saying, you know, I'm so hard to handle, I'm selfish, and I'm sad. I think, and that's brave to, you know, talk about yourself that way and then sing it to the world every night. Yeah. Wayne, what you got on River? I, this is the highest of the piano ones for me, and I do. This is one where I, I, I wish I had more higher scores to hand out because I, I love it. I think there's a lot more, once again, happening in just little things that she says, like the idea of skating on a river. How cold does it have to be to freeze a river? Like you could freeze a lake, but you skate on that. You're not any further away than you, than you were a second ago. But to freeze a river just felt like a powerful statement of, of like how she was feeling. Um, and then there's lots of, there's obviously lots of regret in this. And then I did love the part about I'm going to make a bunch of money and leave this crazy scene, mm-hmm. which not long after she did something to that degree, she stopped making popular music and started messing around with jazz and stuff like that. So I thought that was, was pretty cool. And the line about, he loved me so naughty made me weak in the knees. That was a great line. It's a great lyric. Do, do we consider this a Christmas song though? I know it's, it, it has that, you know, it it does talk about Christmas, but I almost feel like this is as much of a Christmas song as say, 2000 miles by the pretenders. That's exactly what I was. I, I actually have that written down. I, I thought the same thing. It's no more. It's mentioning Christmas as the time of year that she's, that she wants you to, you know, that she wants to remember, but it's not, it's somewhat key because she does actually fall back on it. She ends the song with the same verse that she begins it. So it's, I guess it's important that it's Christmas. Um, but I, it's, I wouldn't call it a Christmas. Right. Song. Well, I'll, I'll take this as a Christmas song any day over Mariah's Carey. Uh, <laughs> you know, all I want for Christmas is you, you know. I didn't even realize that piano riff was Jingle Bells until I read it somewhere. Wow. Yeah, she totally reharmonized it, which I love. That that was the first thing that popped in. Because I'm very familiar with the, the Sarah McLaughlin version. Because she she kind of had a, a, a little bit of a hit with a, you know, like a decade ago. Um, and she doesn't, she doesn't do the jingle bell part, the intro in it. So huh, I wonder right. why. Yeah, I don't know. You would have thought, cause I think it's on her Christmas record. So who <laughs> would have thunk? Um, all right, let's get some scores. Wayne. I gave it a five. I gave it a six. And then I, I'm matching your six. And I, I, I I probably should give you a little grief, Liz, because you covered this song and you gave it a six. <laughs> well, listen, I my okay. So the next song is my top-rated song. There's no yeah. way in the world I want to cover "Case of You." Like, I, I think it's I think it's untouchable. There's um, uh, years ago, John Mayer was talking about doing a cover song, and if you're gonna do a cover song, how are you gonna make it different? And with River. You know, she plays it on on piano. I play it on guitar, but I can't hear 
and that's an easy thing to just have a little change, but case of you has to be on piano. It has to be the tempo that it is. It's so set where it is that I would never touch it. So that's why I would never touch a 10. I'll take a six any day. (laughs) There you go. There you go. All right. So Liz already alluded. So this is case of you. And to your point, Liz, of the, the the covers, so I went down a wormhole today, um, and I texted you, Wayne. This was our, our first text about this record. I texted you today after I stumbled on the Brandy Carlisle version of the song on the old YouTube, and I said, you need to listen to it and tell me if you still believe in your score. And what was your rebuttal to that? Uh, well, I listened to the Prince one too, but I'm not I'm not scoring Brandy Carlisle's version, right? Or Prince's version, for that matter. The Prince the Prince cover, I don't know. It doesn't really do much for me. His piano playing is great in it, though. Um, I just did. Did you listen to the live one? No, because there's a live one that I preferred to all of the ones. I just didn't like his high vocals on it. And that's a lot coming from me because you know how I love Prince. But, um, yeah. Ben, are you saying that you love Brandy's version of it? I love Brandy's version of it. And, and Can you hear the differences in it? Yes, there are some differences in it. Um, I also heard Rufus Wainwright's version of it today, and I thought that that yeah. was also really good. Katie Lang has a great version. I have did not hear Katie's version, but and Diana Krall has a great version. I did hear hers. It. Uh, eh. I mean, I still like. I have never heard a version to me that is anywhere close to Joni Mitchell's version, except for. I mean, yeah, Joni has two versions that I love: this one and the orchestral version, um, which is just yes. hauntingly beautiful. And her voice is like an octave lower, and it's just rich. Yeah, and that's that's the one thing that I I don't this was this was what troubled me with my score for this. I still give it a, a give it gave it a really good score because I really like this song. But I will tell you that some of the later performances of this song by Joni when she wasn't trying to do the really high notes you know, when, where she wasn't trying to get in the Mariah Carey range where her, you know, her, her voice was a little bit deeper. She was older, et cetera, et cetera. I felt like I liked that version of it better than I like the blue version of it. Oh, and I don't know if I'm even making any sense. I'll shut up now. Go ahead. No, that makes total sense. Great lyrics on this though. Right. <laughs> 
Incredible. Oh, absolutely. Wayne, what, what do you got on this? Uh, this is the one I feel worst about <laughs> as far as my score. Um, because I did, I love the opening, the opening verse, that line about, uh, was is, is it, I'm, I'm as consistent as a Northern star. And then, Oh, and it's constant you know, as a Northern star. She's, yeah. And she says constantly in the dark, where it's that at, I'll be in the bar. Like she sees through his bullshit. Like he's got this whole poetic kind of thing going on and she's just like, she sees right through him. And I, I thought that was brilliant. Like I say, I, there's some inconsistencies in her vocals for me that she, where she starts to, she goes high and then comes down and she speeds up. And I mean, this has a, there's part, this isn't a conventional, like a, a, a super conventional structure of a song. Mm-hmm. And so there's parts where she tries to, it feels like she's jamming more words in than she can fit into the measure. And then ultimately, I know this sounds silly, but I had a problem with the analogy. If you drink a case of something and you can still stand, it's not very good stuff. <laughs> Touche. So let's go back. Let's go back to your Northern Star uh, reference. So that that's actually from Julius Caesar, from Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, I read that. Um, So I liked I liked her rebuttal because it sounded like you know he's 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 trying to you know quote this literary stuff and she's like uh yeah you're constantly in the darkness so where's that at <laughs> um it, it's just so great uh could drink, drink a case of you darling and, and maybe she's saying you know like kind of the opposite of what you're saying wayne is i can handle you i can totally handle you you're not too much for me you're not too you know deep for me or whatever it is. You're not too dark for me. I, I got this. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think, and I had heard something, I read something that it was, it was a reference to, to Leonard Cohen, which I don't know if they had a relationship or not. I, I have no way of proving the validity of that interweb rumor, but it's, there was, there were, it referenced lines, especially about his mother, but hmm. I don't, and they're both Canadian. So I don't know if, I don't know that the references are true, but I had actually heard it was, it was about Leonard okay. Cohen. Well, in our Leonard Cohen episode a couple of weeks ago, we did talk about how Joni, Joni used a, a personal story of Cohen in one of her songs. So uh, I wouldn't put it past her. All right, let's get some scores. So Liz, ten, and then Wayne. I I, I hate to say it, but a four. I regrettably right. say four. And uh, I'm giving this a nine. And so let's wrap this up. So last time I saw Richard, album closer. Here we go. I don't want nobody coming over to my table and none to talk to anybody about all good dreamers past this way someday. Hiding behind bottles and dark cafes, dark cafes. Only a dark cocoon before I get my gorgeous wings and fly away. It's a pretty dark song, right? 
it's, 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 I guess the, the word I wrote down is condescending. Like I, and I've totally been with people who tell you how you are and what you're doing and what you like. And, and so I, and I think also it made me start thinking that last time I saw Richard is not just the most recent time I saw Richard, but the last time I am ever going to see Richard. <laughs> and I don't, like I say, we discussed this back and forth in text. I don't think that it's a mistake that she chose because her, her first husband's name is Chuck Mitchell, but I feel that she chose Richard on purpose because a common nickname, at least in 1970 for Richard was Dick. And that's what this guy's behaving like. Mm. Yeah, he definitely is. This one for me, I, I see the charm in it, but I, with Case of You being a 10, I couldn't feel more opposite about this song. This is I rate this as a number one just because I could just never, I never knew a Richard. Like whoever this character is, I just couldn't find that in my life to relate to it and maybe it's because i started listening to this record when i was a teenager but um even still i just i just kind of turned the record off after case of you well and do we think that she's kind of making fun of him in the last verse as well because it's like oh absolutely you know he he goes on in the early verses in you know how about how you like this and you're about all these these fancy men and and then in the end, she's like, "This guy falls asleep on the couch watching TV. Who was he to Who was he to tell me?" I just the the thing I like this song also, but I I, I agree compared to other songs, especially just coming off of case a case of you, and then this one even more so. She's telling a story. This is like a Hemingway conversation, right. and so sometimes she runs. She has more syllables than she has beats in the measure, and she. She crams them in. Yeah, there. and this song, I, I, I don't hear that as much in Case of You because it feels so intense. It feels like every word still matters. But in this one, it's like, okay, we get it. There's a lot to this. There's a lot, you know, and it, it, it's a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. All right. Should we get some scores on this? What you got, Wayne? I, I also gave it a yeah. one. And I'm, uh, I'm matching the ones. So collectively not our favorite. A consensus. Yeah. That finally. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't finally, it kind of make you wonder like how when you're making a record and you're putting the last song on there, if you don't really, I, I mean, I, it just makes, I'm sure she loves this song, but I mean, it's a piece of her, her art and her work, but it just makes you wonder how, when you decide to cut it off, if you already have nine great songs, like amazing songs. I don't know. And I, I thought I read somewhere she had two other songs that because there was, gosh, I don't remember where I read it, but she switched around. She had twelve songs, and then she cut them, cut two, and brought two. Or she did like "Little Green" is an older yeah. song that she that she had written previous to this, and then she cut something else she wrote. And yeah, so there was some sequencing issues as far as what and what was going to make it on the album. Like that, and like I say, that's one thing I found out about her that I thought was really remarkable is she self-produced all her early stuff back in the late '60s and '70s, and she owns the masters to everything she's done. Wow! So she's controlled her own destiny long before other uh, female artists were able to control theirs. So Um, I do love her her last few notes on this particular song, like. Done, done. Yeah, I'm done with the record. Done with the song. 
<laughs> also, why is there a one minute intro of just piano? It's just so different from anything else you hear on this record yeah. that you wonder why. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything on this record? I don't believe so. I think we did I it. I think we got it. All right. Any surprises what our number one song is? No. Nope. California. California. Uh, number two is A Case of You. Any idea what our number three is? All I Want? All I Want was tied for fourth. Okay. So Carrie, yeah. Carrie? Carrie was tied for fourth. Oh. So we've got, despite Wayne trying to poo-poo on Blue, Blue was our third. <laughs> wow. So there you go. Let me just let me just do an adjustment. If Wayne would have said a seven, for instance, or even a six, hey, let me let me. It's revisionist history. We can't live in the past. It yeah. happened. You know, if you would have just given it a six, that would have been tied for second. Well, that's that's unfortunate. I can only just uh, from my bottom of my heart thank Liz for picking this. I I can't even believe I went fifty years. Uh, before I listen to this in- incredible record. That Thank you very makes much. makes me really, really happy. I legit cried at the beginning of this podcast hearing that. So <laughs> that was unexpected. But yeah, go check out for free now that you've heard these beautiful songs. There you go. Um, well, it has been a pleasure revisiting with you. So remind all of our listeners where they can find all the happenings of Liz Longley. Sure. Uh, it's just uh, LizLongley.com. That's L-I-Z-L-O-N-G-L-E-Y. And I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those things. So I'm easily found, just Liz Longley. Thank you guys so much for doing what you do. This is so cool, and I feel really lucky to have been part of it. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're grateful to have you. Um, so last question. So um, who do you know that I don't know? Who would want to join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? Oh and you gosh. can't say Brian Dunn or Stephen <laughs> Kellogg or Jesse Humphrey because, you know, they've already been on. Have you heard of Striking Matches? No, not familiar. I, or Barnaby Bright? Uh, I know the that name. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Two of my favorite duos and The Young Fables. Those are three of my favorite duos. Oh, wait, four. I'm going to give you one more. Freddie and Francine. I'm obsessed with them. Freddie and Francine. I don't know them either. Okay. I like it. Well, we'll have to to do some research now, Wayne. (laughs) Tell you. Okay. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. Yep. Oh, thank you. So as a reminder, you can find all of our happenings on our Facebook page for the Records Revisited Podcast. We're on Instagram using the hashtag Records Revisited Podcast. We're now on Twitter, at Podcast Records. Find us on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia. And you can find all of our previous episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. And please, on all those platforms, go subscribe and rate or review us. Even if it's a bad review, let us know how we're doing. We love the feedback. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. Buy a t-shirt of the band. As long as their swag is good. Sorry, Jenny. I really wanted to give you my money. Uh, Buy a record. 
visitor record store and not just on record store day we are records revisited and we are out out, out. <laughs>